Well, we're in a uh, series, the Mindbender series. Uh, it has become a series. We've looked at all kinds of interesting things like what the hell is heaven and what the heaven is hell and, uh, and why an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was the best law ever. Who was here for that last week? A few of us. If you weren't, can I encourage you, get the podcast because uh, it will liberate you and help you to see the Bible in a fresh and new way. And, and I guess that's part of what this series has been about. I've been intentionally trying to tackle maybe some of the more uncomfortable topics that we face as Christians and particularly as God's people in a world that is, uh, you know, growingly hostile, particular, particularly in the media and social media, growing hostile towards uh, faith and the reasonability uh, of our faith. So I thought I'd just do like a bit of an apologetic series without talking about apologetics. Um, just talk about some of the tougher issues. And so that's where we've been. And, um, and, and I know I promised in one of the services last week that I would speak about Jesus today. Um, but I actually felt we were just sort of, we were just getting so heavy and it was all deep and heavy stuff. And I just thought today we needed to take a bit of a lighter, happier road. Is that okay? Is, is that okay? So I'm going to talk about the wrath of God. <laughs> so I better get this right because I keep saying wrath and wrath and I'm confusing people. The wrath of God... W-R-A-T-H, the wrath of God. Who's keen? Who's keen? That's good. Because it's one of those, I think, hard to explain. If you are active in your faith in the marketplace, people know you're a believer. This is one of the things our world struggles with and rejects and pushes back against maybe the most. And often it's the subject that we just want to avoid in one sense. I mean, uh, it's, it's seemingly indefensible and it's one of those things that I personally for a long time wished wasn't in the Bible. Don't you? Yes, the right answer is yes. Okay, so it's one of those things that's like, man, it would be so easier, so much easier if that wasn't in there. Uh, the fact is when you talk about the wrath of God, Thinking about the anger of God, only a sadistic, sad little hater of humanity would want to proclaim that. Yep. That'd be the only one that get joy out of it, and yet some do. And what I find interesting about that is generally the ones that are so happy to hammer, hammer on an angry God are always the ones that consider that they're on the inside with God and they're talking to everyone else. Have you ever noticed that? The people who have the angry disposition, God, but they're okay. And, uh, and so I think we need to talk about one of these more difficult aspects of scripture and when you when you start talking about it this way immediately the argument becomes but you've got to tell the whole truth and I guess that's what I'm hoping to do today this series has not been about changing our minds on anything it has not been about um, uh, different it's been about more it hasn't been about changing everything you ever believed it's been about broadening our understanding 
of some of the things that maybe we often let go through to the keeper. We often put in the too hard basket because we just don't sort of want to go there because it's awkward and it's difficult to talk about. So here we go. I grew up in Rockville, in Toowoomba. I'm a Toowoomba boy. And, uh, and the house that I grew up in, my father had literally built with his own hands. That was back in the day when you could do that. And mum and dad somewhere, 59 or something like that, bought a little house in Rockville in a new housing estate, right where St Andrew's Hospital is. As a matter of fact, where I grew up is now part of the car park. But when they bought it, it was nothing but, but horse paddocks. And, uh, and then dad added like five rooms to that house over the years and a family of eight lived there, my, um, myself and my five siblings and my parents. And it was just, that was the days. And um, even though dad, my dad was a real gentleman, boy, he had a temper. I mean, he was Irish. He had a temper. And, uh, and even though he came to faith in Christ when he was 78, I can remember he was a passionate prayer as long as I could remember. Well before he came to Christ, he was a passionate prayer. And, and that amazed me that he could stay passionate even though he only ever seemed to have one subject that he prayed about. He was continuous, well not continuously, but when he prayed, he asked God to stone the crows. With all the passion and quite, you know, sometimes a few Aussie adjectives sewn in to, uh, to emphasize the point of how much he wanted God to go after those crows. And, uh, and even though as a kid, I mean, I did hear my dad swear, but I don't think I ever heard my dad as a young person ever swear, certainly not in front of my mum or any of the ladies or myself, unless he didn't realize you were there you know, and you just sort of overheard something you weren't supposed to hear. And he would ramp up. He would, I don't know whether he'd hit his, you know, hit the thumb with the hammer or a a drill snapped in the vice when he was building something in the shed. Whatever happened, he would go off. I mean, he would throw tools. He would slam doors. Well, he'd slam the shed door. He had this knack of timing a kick at our dog, who used to always sleep on the step of the shed door, he had a knack of timing the kick so that the dog vacated the step just before the door slammed on his head. You know? And so he'd ramp up. And when he ramped up, I'm telling you, um, behind our house was nothing but horse paddocks and the back paddock was a good place to be. Even if it wasn't directed at you, because my dad was a good man, I don't think he ever directed his anger at an innocent party. But when he began to escalate like that, it was just a cue for you to duck and weave and find a tall patch of kaikuya and lie down in it for half an hour. That was dad. And I know that some of you might be able to relate to that. And some of you can't. But whatever the case might be, it's interesting how we as human beings can tend to relate the experiences that we have had with either our earthly fathers, if you were blessed enough to have and know one, or even just human authority figures in our lives, school teachers, the headmaster, whatever. We have an amazing propensity to project our understanding of how humans interact onto God. And we've talked about this, it's been a recurring theme in this series, is that God created us in his image, and if we're not careful, we unwittingly then create God in ours. 
We filter our understanding of God through our own imagination. And when we hear words used about God, we equate it to the human equivalent of that. So if you look at wrath as like being super angry, like my dad could go all Irish on us. And, and hey, I can say it because I'm part Irish. So if you're, who's Irish here? And give me a shout. Lots, lots in Australia. Just watch them. They get angry. They're always funny, to be sure. And, uh, and so when we, we understand that wrath is super angry, and then we read in Scripture about the wrath of God, it's our natural tendency to project what we understand of human behaviour directly onto the divine. If wrath for me means I'm super angry, therefore the wrath of God is simply God super angry. And we make a big mistake doing it. I want to talk to us today about why the wrath of God is your friend. Why the wrath of God is your friend. And so bear with me as we get going. I want to look at a a painting uh, by Michelangelo of the creation and fall of man. And and I guess here is, again, a a man's imagination grasping uh, grasping not only the creation, but possibly the disappointment and frustration of a creation running astray. And of course, does he look happy? Michelangelo's brilliant, isn't he? brilliant artist the body's picked up and and it's so easy for us to have as one of the one week we looked at having a having correct belief or orthodox belief believing the right stuff but having a pagan imagination an unrenewed thought process or imagination that even though we hear truth we see something that's not true and i believe this image of god is not necessarily the God who we serve and the God who we know. As I said, you'd have to be sadistic to be happy that the wrath of God was a real thing unless it wasn't what you envisioned it to be. Unless anyone who's got the super angry God image, you would be, you know, you'd be a really narrow, nasty little person to think that was a good thing. But we do know it's a real thing. The wrath of God is real. But maybe our imagination of what that looks like is not always authentic. And so, again, I don't want to replace our thinking. I want to add to and broaden our understanding of this thought today. Are you okay if we go there? Come on, our community goes there all the the time to shut you down or to make you feel small about your faith. So I think we should know... uh, We should know what we believe and why. So I want to ask us just three questions today. Get us thinking. Uh, Three questions are my my thoughts, and then I'm going to ask you three questions to apply it at the end. Is that okay? Here's the first question, uh, because we just assume a lot. If we're just assuming wrath of God means God very angry. Here's some questions to maybe introduce some different thoughts. What if it isn't that personal? What if it isn't as personal as we think? Because I believe God's not angry, he's protective. 
It's really interesting, but um, we see wrath when people get angry, when we get angry, it is intensely personal, isn't it? Like when someone just loses it, it's amazing. Sometimes it's, it can be like, I never really knew that person until I saw them lose it. And then it was like, whoa, I heard, a, I, I saw a whole new side to them. So when we lose it is probably when we as human beings, when we are the most open, the most transparent, the most like who we really are ever is when we actually take the restraints off and let it all hang out. And for us, that is an intensely personal experience. It's, uh, it's even intentional. I mean, for, dad would direct his wrath at objects or, you know, or the dog, even though he's kind enough just to shift the dog. He didn't kick the dog. He'd aim the kick and the dog would just know. It was like, time to leave. <laughs> but what if it isn't that personal? What if it's something different? What if we're creating God in our image when we just assume he gets angry the same way we do? Romans chapter 3 verse 5 says, But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we see? Say, is God unjust who, listen to the language, inflicts wrath? And Paul says, I speak as a man. And you'd say, Chris, you could have picked a better scripture to try and depersonalize it than that. Paul is saying, God inflicts wrath. True? But, but listen to what he says to qualify it. I'm speaking as a man. What does he mean by that? I believe what Paul's saying is, I'm just speaking in the dark. I'm speaking with my limited human understanding. I, I know that wrath is a thing, and I know it happens and I guess I'm saying to you it's like God inflicts wrath but I'm also saying I have no clue how that works and so I want to uh, I want to propose maybe introduce a different way of thinking Um, Paul saying with limited understanding what if God's wrath is not a highly charged emotional outburst where anything could happen or God in our image Rather, it is God's settled disposition and purpose to oppose sin and its destructive forces. And interestingly enough, when you just look at the Greek word, this is literally half the meaning of the Greek word. I'll share the other half in a moment, but half the Greek word is not this crazy mad outburst. It's a set disposition on a particular topic. And because we always find God's wrath or wrath in the context of the brokenness of humanity, of sin and murder and violence and all of these other things, basically God's got a set disposition towards things that destroy people. That is God's wrath. If I could put it this way, it's like um, uh, a, a doctor. When one of your friends or family members, someone you know, maybe even yourself, if they get a serious disease, doctors will be at times incredibly intrusive into that life to actually bring life. I watched my own father go through radiation treatment. It was a terrible thing, a taxing thing. 
a, a diabolical treatment in one sense. It's, it's what it seemed to be. And yet doctors and medical science were working as hard as they could to actually bring freedom and to bring life and to preserve life, not to destroy it. It was something that had to be done. And God has a disposition towards keeping humanity healthy and not destroying itself. That is his predetermined position. That is the wrath of God. It is not necessarily God intentionally deciding to punish someone and hit them with a big stick. As much as us walking into something that's always existed outside of the bounds of created order. He has created us and he has created our planet, designed it to function a particular way. But our modern science, our modern ability of man, we can step outside the boundaries all the time that we want. But be careful you don't walk into what exists outside of created order. God knows nothing good dwells in darkness. And yet people do it all the time. You know, the fact of the matter is, I love flying in planes. I love flying in planes. They get me from A to B much quicker. They get me to see my family overseas, that kind of thing. But honestly, if one falls out of the, out of the sky, I can't blame God. I can't blame God for that. Because an aeroplane defies natural law, in a sense. Harnesses natural law. But you're up there and you know that if that engine stops, gravity's going to take over, man. And literally, unless God puts his hand under the plane, it's good night. But it's interesting how often we bend the rules, we step outside of created order, and if something goes wrong, we blame God for it. Well, God did not design genetically modified food. God did not put the degree of sugar that we have in food now. God did not put the degree of sodium and preservatives in food that we do now. And we suffer with all manner of rashes and causes and, and um, you know, stuff that we can't eat, all of these things. Uh, don't say God's not fair. When we step out of created order... We, we're actually moving outside of a realm that we were designed to function well in. So maybe it's not as personal. God, you know, I even heard it this morning after I preached in the first service, someone come to me and said, look, my child come home from school this week and, and someone at the school, I don't know who, told them that the bushfires are caused because of the abortion law that went through last week. And I'm like, how dumb can you be and still breathe? But see, if you've got an image of an angry God, that fits the picture. God's mad, so he's going to punish innocent people. And it's not necessarily the picture that scripture gives us. You doing okay out there? Wrath is not necessarily an active element of God's intervention, but rather a functional reality that exists outside of created order. And when we step outside the boundaries, we run into things that we, we were never designed to run into. Wrath is a space we shouldn't be more than the direct action of God. And it's, it's not a minefield that God sadistically created and you go out there and step on one, you're bad luck. It's a little bit more like a recipe. God has shown you what works. If you add in or if you leave out, you're not going to get the cake 
that you always meant to get. Think about it. Sex, is it good? It's a great thing. But our society continuously wants to take it out of the boundaries of created order. I was talking to someone else at the coffee shop and before the first service and it was interesting. We just got, he brought the subject up and we got onto this topic of, um, of man, I've got, I've, I know a couple of people now that lived together for years and then they got married and then like within two years their marriage broke down. It doesn't seem to make sense. And I actually said, mate, it makes perfect sense. About 30% of Australian marriages break down every year. But if you cohabitate before you get married, your, your stats go to 66%. More than double. And all I can put it down to, it's not some, it's not some action of God because he, God wants people to be married if they want to live that way. But when you bend the rules, it sows the seeds of destruction into your relationship right from the start. And if anyone's got away with that, praise God for it. That's not something you want to see, but it is a fact. The stats back it up. Try before you buy does not work. It's a lie. It's a lie. And we we do this with food, as I've mentioned. We do it with lifestyle. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Because there's certain things God's put in place and it's just the way the world was meant to work. Here's the second question. You okay? You doing okay? I'll have to run. Oh, you've got to be kidding. What happened to that service? You've had enough anyway. You could go home now, couldn't you? Okay, real quick, real quick. What if it's about us, not God? In other words, what if... What if God's not angry, but we are? In the equation, what if we're the angry ones? Romans, six, uh, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Man, that'd be a great opportunity to destroy us, not to save us. Verse 9. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Saved from wrath, really, really quickly, the Greek word saved, sozo, literally means to be made whole. We often think of it as a moment in time where we decide to follow Jesus. And it is a wonderful moment in time and God can touch your life and I, I pray God's already touched some lives that way in this place and I pray he touches more before we're finished. That's a wonderful moment but it's not all of the, the equation. This is an ongoing journey where God wants to actually complete you and bring all the pieces back together and make you whole and make you the person you were always intended to be. And then the second word, wrath, the Greek word, orga, is a movement or agitation of soul. I've read several different definitions in different dictionaries of this, but I'd I'd sum it up as saying this. It is an inner world shaking. Wrath, wrath, your inner world shaking. Um, And so when I look at this, and here's some of the words, movement, agitation of soul, impulse, desire, any violent emotion, but especially anger. And the interesting thing in the context of this passage, this verse can just as easily support the idea that the wrath is in us, not in God. Sin at work in us produces wrath. 
produces an agitation of soul, produces emotional instability. And you can see it right from the garden. God creates Adam. They walk with one another in the cool of the evening. Then one day Adam doesn't show up. And in the Genesis story, we have God walking through the garden calling out, Adam, where are you? And I don't think that was, oh, Adam, where are you? I think that was more like a parent who's worried that their child has fallen in the river. Adam, where are you? And of course, Adam, when he finally meets with God, Adam's hiding in the bushes saying, I, I was afraid. There was something happening on the inside of me I've never felt before because I was ashamed, because I was naked. This brokenness, this wrath was in Adam. It wasn't in God. God's disposition hadn't changed. He was looking for his kid. And the pain was in Adam, not in God. And we've got it in our society from road rage to shopping trolley rage. Unforgiveness, jealousy, anger, offence, payback. Why are payback movies so popular? Because it feeds the angst within us. Why is it like in families that often it's the people you love the most you... You push out on the hardest. The workplace, uni, school, humanity itself. I mean, I grew up when it was Russia versus the USA and everyone was fearing the, someone pushing the button. And now it's Korea and whoever or Pakistan and whoever or China versus the world economy. But there's just a general angst in humanity that's not coming from God. And the most devastating thing we see is self-talk. It's what's rattling around on the inside of ourselves and the way we undervalue ourselves, undersell ourselves, or we we fear our ability, we lose our security, we lose our sense of self-worth and self-value. No wonder so many people are happy to abuse themselves. You know, we talk about abusing drugs. You're not abusing drugs, you're abusing yourself talk about abusing another person well well that's true you can abuse another person but I tell you you're being abused at the same time you just don't realize it and the more you think that you're sort of in that in the untouchable position the worse it is going to happen to you it's just the way that it goes the wrath is in us and interestingly enough this was actually common theology In the early church, the Eastern Orthodox Church still believed this. 300 AD, this is what Christians believe. This is not a new thing. This is another look at the old. It's often in our circles, evangelical Pentecostal Christianity, we've left all that behind and the sense what the wrath of God is has been narrowed right down to my image in God. And it always serves us. Last question. What if Jesus really is the answer? As I said, God's not angry. He came to rescue, not torture. Is that good news? (laughs) Romans 5.10 For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Well, I, I find that language interesting. Paul is talking about reconciliation and being saved as two different things. I thought they were the same. 
you know, in my mind, I guess, reconciled slash saved. But as I said before, saved means made whole. Reconciled, come back into relationship is half the equation. And then saved, now I will make you whole. As you journey with me, as you learn to avoid the wrath, as you learn to walk hand in hand with your Creator, the angst in your heart, the storm. Jesus will speak peace to the storm that's in every human heart. I'll begin to bring your life back together. I'll begin to bring you back together on the inside so that you are whole and complete, lacking nothing. Is one way that Paul puts it. What if the answer really is in Jesus? What if Jesus is just as, what he did on the cross was just as big as we say? And God's not angry. The only anger to be dealt with now is what's rattling around inside of our own hearts. The shaking, the inner turmoil, the anger, the offence, the bitterness, the hatred, the anxiety, the depression, the fear, the social disorders, the need to control others, gossip, slander, lying. That faith in Christ can rescue us from this. Which interestingly is a really common Christian testimony. Have you ever heard someone say, I used to be a really angry man. I used to be this. I used to be that. And what they're saying is, my inner world used to shake in this area. And then I met Jesus. And what they're saying, without articulate, what they're saying is, I met Jesus and he made me whole. The shaking stopped. The pain, the fear, the angst stopped. There's one word that's used of of. Jesus when it comes to wrath and it's a big word, it's only used a couple of times in in one letter letters of John and he uses this word propitiation which literally can mean it's a sacrifice that absorbs wrath And, and that's what Jesus has been for us, his death on the cross and often we just say, well, it's the wrath of God. It's the wrath of God. I want to suggest to you, to you today, every bit as much as it might be a reconnection with our Creator, even more so, it's actually a absorbing of the wrath within you so that you can live at peace, not just with God, but with one another. So I'm going to ask three questions really quick. You doing okay? I'm stretching the time a bit. But I've got to land it now. We've come too far to go back. Do you see boundaries and moral imperatives as potential restriction of your freedom or safe spaces to live? When you... When you're confronted with, this is what God wants, but your flesh is saying, but this is what I really want. Do you see that as a restriction of your pleasure or do you see it as God wanting you to take a safe path? This is where the wrath of God is our friend. 
Because as we, can we just all admit to being less than perfect? As we struggle with our humanity and we're tempted to go off track, isn't it amazing how something begins to happen on the inside? Call it guilt, call it shame, call it conviction, call it whatever you want. But an angst begins to rise. Even if we're just determined to break the boundaries and do what we want, there is something going in on our heart, urging us back the other direction. God's wrath in you, the the brokenness of communion. Your spirit knowing something's changing, even as I take these steps in the wrong direction, something's beginning to shift. That is your best friend. That is God saying, come back into created order. Don't do that. Come back to where you are always destined to live. So how do we see that? Second question is, which do you fear the most? The potential for God to get angry or the frustration and anger you regularly face in yourself what do you fear the most I mean in all honesty if if Jesus was prepared to come and die for us while we were still sinners while we were still estranged from God even hating God even despising God I used to ridicule God before I became a Christian but God demonstrated his love he didn't wait for me to get my life in order he's already demonstrated why would he destroy me now that he's demonstrated how much he loves me and not just me but the whole world not just the insiders not just the church for God so loved the and we miss it we have an angry God it's like God's not angry people are people are And I tell you this, the angst in you is something to be feared far more than God getting angry with you. God's already proved his love, gone above and beyond to seal the deal. You never need to doubt the love and acceptance of God. The thing that you need to be concerned about is what's rattling around in my own heart. And the last question is, will you allow Jesus to save you from yourself? (laughs) This is a concept that I got onto early as a Christian. I don't know when it was, but I hadn't been a Christian too long before I realized, you know, people around me, a lot of people talked about the devil and the stuff he could do and whatnot. And, And it didn't take me long to realize it was like, I don't need the devil. I make a big enough mess of it myself. I'm not I'm in too big a mess to even worry about the devil. I'm just trying to if I could just get rid of me, the old me, that old man of the flesh, if I could just think differently, please Jesus, if I could just do that, then I could worry about the other stuff. And I think that's what I'm talking about when we think about the wrath of God. Yes. Yes, there was something that had to shift in our relationship with heaven and it's happened at the cross but that's only half the equation now something has to shift in our own hearts and there's this question will you let Jesus deliver you from yourself will you let him speak to the storm that's going in your own heart
And as a person, you know, you might be here, you might be in an existing relationship with Jesus. And uh, and you just know you, you need Jesus to literally deliver you from some of your thinking, some of where you've... Maybe you could see oh, I was in a much better place once upon a time, but right now I'm not in a good place. Jesus came not just to reconcile you, but to save you. Not just to reconnect you with heaven, but to make you whole. And, and I want to encourage you to reach out. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never begun this journey. You've, you've never started, but you do recognize some of the things I've talked about. You know there's stuff rattling around on the inside. And you look at humanity in the way that I've looked at it very quickly today, and you can see it. You can see that there's an angst, there's an anger, there's a frustration, there's an unsettledness, there's a shaking on the insides of people. And I want to tell you that Jesus is the only one who can speak to that. He's the only one that can heal that. And maybe you're here and you'd say to me, you know, Chris, I, I think that's where I'm at. I think I'm ready. I'm ready for God to do something in my heart. So I want to pray for us all today. Could we stand just right where we are, if you wouldn't mind? And, um, and I'd like to pray for me and for all of you. Father, help us. Help us to give things over to you. Help us to recognize that your ways are higher and better than our ways. Help us to walk in step with you in such a way that we avoid destruction and we bring life and healing wherever we go. We don't want to bring pain. We want to bring life. Help us be a life-giving people and a life-receiving people, Father. Help us to lose old images of you that make you seem cranky, that, that, that uh, imagine you in our own image. Help us to discard those unhelpful images and get a clear picture of you in Christ. Why Jesus came to reveal you in the clearest way. And I pray for people right now, Father, with angst in their hearts that they could receive your love. Where there is bitterness, a freedom would come to forgive. Father, a healing would come in Jesus' name. Every other ailment and ill, Father God, that people have identified, even as I've spoken in their hearts, they know what is shaking, they know that area they need you to touch. And I pray right now, Jesus, that right across this auditorium, people would invite you into that place of pain, into that place of angst. In Jesus' name, friend, he can speak peace to your storm. Just in these moments, while our heads are about and our eyes are closed, you know, if, if if you'd say, Chris, I recognise, I need Jesus, I need the peace only He can give, and and maybe you've never opened up and reached out and received that. I want to give you an opportunity, just right where you stand. Would you raise your hand really quickly, just right where you are? That's awesome, mate. God bless you. Yeah, God bless you, mate. You can put your hands down. That's awesome. Others in this place. Come on, just real quick. I'm not going to hold off, but if you know, yep, awesome. God bless you, mate. Others, just real quick, real quick. You just know I need to open my heart and let Jesus right in. And I believe he wants to touch your life just in the closing moments of this service. Fantastic. 
Fantastic. I want to pray for you. If you've responded, I want to pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for people who've reached out to you in this place. I thank you for meeting them right where they are right now. Father, the things that they have become aware of, even as I've spoken, the angst of the human heart, the the shaking on the inside, Father, I pray you'd visit them, you'd meet them with your love, with your acceptance and with your forgiveness right now. And they'd know it. They'd know the reality of your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we encourage people who've made that decision this morning? And... And in a moment, we're going, to, um, we're going to let you know what you can do to follow up on that and to walk with Jesus and allow him to make you complete. Um, before we do, why don't we pray this prayer together? And if you responded, make it your own. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I'll follow you. Amen. Amen. Okay, so that was a long service for us, wasn't it? Hour and a half. It's like we're, we're fanatics. I remember when church used to go three hours, so we're doing okay. okay. But uh, can I just encourage you, this week, make sure your picture of God is accurate. Make sure that you filter out images of God where somehow we've shaped him into our image rather than actually allowing his word to renew our minds to see him for who he is. Can I encourage us that way? God bless you. Have an awesome week.